Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And we're recording. That time it didn't even jump in at a random counter. It just came straight in at number one. One and two. Took its time like Skype usually does. We're back for another monster episode. And we're like signing off on, well, not signing off, but we're kind of um, capping off our monster verse of Godzilla Kong monster episodes, so to speak. So now we're going to, and we know it's been out for a while, but we don't care. Yeah. We're chatting about it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're kind of mashing up. Yeah, <laughs> we're kind of doing a mashup: Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Godzilla versus Kong. So um, we're going to start off with the order in which they were released: uh-huh. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Funnily enough, it is the lowest ranking of this monster series, this new monster series, monster verse, so to speak, that they put together. I think it's hitting a solid solid 6.0 on IMDb. Huh. But oh, I don't know with this this one was an interesting one because we we talked about how before how I think we both ended up preferring um Godzilla 90s Godzilla because not because of like it's the most it's the best filmmaking we've ever witnessed in the right. sense that it didn't take itself too seriously, so it kind of, by doing that, it got to get away with other elements of it which weren't very good. But it, it kind of fit the time that it was released, and it sat very well. And then we came to Godzilla 2014, which very much seemed like it was like trying to hit on that serious note card a bit too much. Yeah. And like you said, it's such a long, drawn-out process before we even get godzilla even featuring in the movie when really you're coming to see a monster movie let's give us monsters right at the beginning and i feel they missed a huge opportunity in that by having that meltdown scene right at the beginning yeah which obviously featured (laughs) i feel featured godzilla was the awakening of godzilla it was was the muto yeah it was of the muto yeah yeah well that could have been included apart from Apart from a character running away for some gas, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the biggest monster. Evil, we got evil gas, you know. Yeah, the evil gas coming down the tunnel. <laughs> that that was our opening monster for the first fifty minutes. So, yeah, we come into it, it's like they okay, we get the memo: more monsters, right? <laughs> Godzilla, <laughs> king of the monsters. That's right, let's yeah. chuck as many monsters. What's funny? Let's chuck as many monsters as we can in, but still, I feel. There could have been more monster battles, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as we had said on the previous podcast with with Godzilla, you know, that drawn out beginning is really frustrating, and you know, I think I had said like you know the first hour of that film feels like some sort of um, natural disaster sort of thriller rather mm. than a monster film. Whereas with King of Monsters, I mean, yeah, they, they've gotten the memo. Like, clearly, 
and it's you know it's funny because after you know doing the the Godzilla podcast, I, I read somewhere that Gareth Edwards, you know, before the release of the first Godzilla, he had said that there was he had reassured fans that there was enough Godzilla in the film, which I thought was really funny that he had to even do that because it's like, why would you even say that? You know, uh, <laughs> the like, film's called Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, it's almost it's like, like he was... making the new Batman and going, I just want to assure fans that Batman is in this film. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know, and it, it's kind of almost a way of like looking at it now. It's like he's reassuring himself that yeah, you know, no, I, I did enough, and you know, sorry, Gareth Edwards. I was I was at the edit. I put him in. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I think what's that like twenty minutes? I think you know towards the end. Um, so yeah, this um, this sequel really, I mean, yeah, as you said, you know, King of the Monsters. There are going to be way more monsters in this, and there are. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, the, the kind of. I mean, this one, you know, it's. I'm surprised that it's kind of the lowest rated one because it, it does a lot of what it says on, on, on the tin. I mean, you, we do get Godzilla kind of early on and there are like a range of monsters that kind of come out throughout the film. Um, you know, you've got Mothra at the beginning and Ghidorah, King Ghidorah coming later on, you know, in through the Antarctic ice and Godzilla and him fighting. And, and I mean, that's a pretty epic fight scene and stuff, but you know, and, and there's a, a, you know, a myriad of other monsters that come, but you're right. You know, there is like a kind of, a fairly distinct lack of um, monster fights for the amount of monsters that there are. And I feel that this is kind of, it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit of a, a curse with, I think, with monster films. Because, you know, with the first Godzilla, you know, we, we had those really annoying monster fights where they were about to engage into battle and then the camera would cut away to like another scene. And I found that vastly frustrating, as I mentioned many times on the podcast before. Uh, and with this one, it, it's you, you get more action, but then there are there are those sorts of elements of of before as well, where you get um, kind of monsters appearing, fighting, and then some sort of um, kind of after effect, which sort of concludes the fight without like having the fight you know fully displayed. And you you know it's a bit like you know like I think there's a scene where Godira. Um, um, eats a head of like uh, I can't, one of the other monsters, and you're like, "Oh, why don't we see them kind of battling it out?" And you know, him ripping his head off, and you know, so it, it's it's kind of funny, but but there are you know more monsters, and I have to say, like you know, the, the way the monsters are presented is pretty epic. You know, it, like massive kind of gargantuan scar. Even Mothra at the beginning, you know, in in the cocoon is like pretty ominous and, and quite freaky, and then you know, um the way he kind of breaks out as well it's 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 true to the kind of the whole the whole universe of of the monster verse um and i love when gadira is kind of broken out of the antarctic ice as well that that part is actually pretty pretty scary and you know in a lot of ways um just from like the size of him and and how he comes out the ice as well um so yeah i mean it, it's it's better monsters more monsters but i agree with you that there, there, there are especially in comparison with like Kong versus Godzilla and the sort of monster fights we get in that, you know, which we'll get onto later on. But like in comparison, this one, I still feel that there's a lot of, there's a lot of the humans featured basically. And yeah. what's kind of funny in this film is that there's a lot of humans featured, but actually, you know, there's not really too many that like you really learn the names of. And, and because of that, you don't really, they're not really focused on, you know, you have the kind of the army guys and 
I mean, you've got the main family with, you know, Millie Bobby Brown and, you know, um, and her mother and, and the father kind of, and their struggle and the fact that they lost the youngest son before in the, from the first film. And they're the kind of central characters that you kind of attach onto. But then there's like all these kind of, you know, other characters around them that really play a role, but you never really get to know them. And they just, you know, apart from Ken Watanabe, who comes, you know, back from the first month, you know, Godzilla um, to, or, you know, deliver his constantly shocked lines of, or, you know, like kind of you know, <laughs> his dread lines really like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. a battle, you know, and it's always like, you know, he's always giving these lines. So, you know, there's a lot of these kind of similar uh, elements as well. He from... does always have those lines. Does... Yeah. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah. The dramatic <laughs> pause and then, oh, they are going to battle, you know. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost fairly cliche at this point, to be honest. And, it, you know, every time he kind of was saying these lines, I'm kind of there like, you know, cracking a, a smile because it's just, just so funny and, you know, expected in some ways. But, yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of kind of human characters, but there's not really too much, like, you know, of the humans that, you know, um, that you kind of get too involved in, really. Um, which, again, like, maybe they could have balanced it more out with, you know, with more kind of monster fight scenes and perhaps fewer human characters and just, like, you know, more of the essential ones, you know? Mm-hmm. And what do you reckon? Like, how, how do you feel about the humans in this one? Because, you know, it's... Uh, this this is the one thing that is slightly I feel that there could have been a bit more consistency over the course. Because of Kong Skull Island, which we obviously talked about, is set 30, 40 years before the events of this one. It is by all means within this monster verse, but it's not a clear sequel due to the fact of the timeline. Yeah. So the one thing that kind of annoys me a bit across the three and I'm talking the three films that sit in the same era, Godzilla, Godzilla King of Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Kong, is the commitment to certain characters. They never really quite knew what was... Who, who are the characters that were going to give you the arc throughout yeah. the whole entire series? That I feel that would have... People usually complain, and that's it's the most common complaint you see sometimes about these films, is you put on this, it's a monster epic, but then you have to, and it's fine telling a human story, but it's almost like now we've got to introduce completely new characters again. Godzilla versus Kong. Now we've got to introduce new characters again. Because there should be, I feel really, rather than being the side story a majority of the time, we should have had um, Sally Hawkins' character and uh, um, Ken Watanabe yeah. Yeah. as the main people that went across all three films. And of course, we we mm. can't have that because <laughs> they both get killed off in the second one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it really annoyed me how Sally um, uh, Sally Phil's character goes. <laughs> I think she I just, just gets trod on. No, she just gets eaten by the. the oh, by, no, she you know, just gets eaten. Yeah, just like <laughs> you know, in the, in the Antarctic, you know, like oh. quick snack, you know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, why don't you just why don't you just chomp down on old Carl Chandler there instead? Um, <laughs> yeah, but then of course you can't because 
I mean, uh, uh, it's not a spoiler because people have seen this, but <laughs> a bit a bit harsh to Millie Bobby Brown's character if you take out the dad and the mum also sacrifices her <laughs> later on. Go is that she goes to, but it it's just it, it's interesting. You go from Godzilla to Godzilla King of the Monsters, and they're like, okay, who are the main cast we're going to take? Well, we're going to take Sally Hawkins. Sorry, I said Sally Field earlier. Sally Hawkins and Ken uh, Watanabe over to the second one. Are we going to take uh, either of the big stars? Maybe they didn't sign on. I don't know. Elizabeth yeah. Olsen? No. Aaron Taylor-Johnson? No. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on then. And let's yeah. then introduce some new characters, like obviously Millie Bobby Brown, Carl Chandler, who go on yeah. to the next one. But it's also like, why can't we get more Charles Dance? Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and you know, it, 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 it like, and why do we have to get now get rid of yeah. the two people from the first one and go? <laughs> I understand it's always like, oh, I didn't know that person was going to get killed off, or oh, I didn't know that person was not going to come here, but that it, it it slightly irked me the character decisions on yeah. who went through. Maybe they just went with who was taking the smallest paycheck. I don't know. <laughs> but, Maybe. Uh, you know. Maybe like we can get we can get away with Millie Bobby Brown for two films because she costs less because she's under eighteen. I don't. Yeah, know. <laughs> yeah exactly. You I pay a, a child star wage, you know. <laughs> yeah, a child's wage exactly. Oh. So that's what that's one thing that kind of got me. I was kind of fine with the premise of um, it's it's the classic kind of antagonist. You've got this who thinks she's got a higher purpose. Yeah, the eco terrorists and stuff. Yeah. World. It's always a better world, isn't it? It's always a better world. I can create a better world. I love it how she's creating they're creating a better world with for humans, but like then they, you know, are unleashing monsters that are gonna kill loads of humans. Obviously that's the plan. But then you now when Charles Dance comes in and like slaughters all those scientists, it's like Oh, you're really doing it for the humans, aren't you? Like, you know, just shooting them in the head, you know. <laughs> really preserving yeah. humanity, right? <laughs> That guy could have been vegan. He's already helping humanity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know his life story. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's funny. You're absolutely right with that, though. That um, that's the one thing across like these three films that gets so confused is like the characters and like who matters and who doesn't. Um, because you, yeah, like literally, you've got Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins from the first one who had secondary roles in the first one you know um again like wet and average have secondary roles in this one yeah yeah you're right i, I, I mean uh, they have more of a role a bit more yeah but then you know until sally hawkins gets taken out about 50 minutes in uh so she's kind of very much relegated um but yeah it, it's it's and that's the thing i think that's what kong skyline did very well is that from the beginning you know you had john goodman uh and his psychic i can't quite remember his name but you know monarch was the central focus of that film and it yeah. was like about their kind of exploration of the island and then things unfolded from there you know and whilst they die off later on or well Good goodman dies off later on it can still like carry on because the premise is sort of being set out by them so they yeah. have that very even though they're not like and i think you know kong skyland was very good in the way it balanced out the i mean you know we talked about you know the love that we have for it and it, it was so good in terms of balancing out the characters with the action with the monsters um and with this kind of overarching storyline of of monarch and you know their kind of operations around the world really 
And with these three films, it's so confused in, in lots of ways. Because even in Godzilla, I mean, you know, Monarch are kind of, you don't really get much of a um, impression of them, really. Like the kind of size of them. And, you know, because again, in Kong Skull Island, they, they're sort of, you know, hustling to get onto this military mission. Whereas and who's in, in charge? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, it, it's kind of a faceless corporation, but in Godzilla, you know, you've got Ken Watanabe as the main sort of monarch representative, but even then it's like they, they're really unsure of things. They don't really make, like, any smart decisions based on what they know, you know, because, I mean, they, they should know a fair few things by now. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and just kind of going forward, they, they just don't really seem to have any impact on anything. Um, and then, you know, in this film, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Um, what's the, ma- the main actress called? Uh, well, uh, uh, Vera Firminga. Firminga, yeah. So, you know, playing Dr. Dr. Emma Russell. Emma Russell, yeah. which is the wife of <laughs> Carl Chandler's yeah. uh, character, Dr. Mark Russell, and the mother of Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, in, and, in and, and that's the thing. She's a monarch, like, defective in, in this film, you know, in, in terms of, but then where was she in the, the original Godzilla? You know, like, why wasn't she in that one? Kind of talking about, you know, how monsters and against humans or something. You know, there was like no theme kind of introduced there. And well, now this, she's... This is one of the big things. This is how you could have set it up. Yeah. You could have both those characters, Dr. Mark Russell and Dr. Emma Russell, in the first one, alongside um, Ken and Sally... Is what I'm going to call them now, rather than full, <laughs> full naming them all the time. Um, because you could have had them then working for Monarch. And yeah. you could have had that storyline going in the back on how they defected from Monarch, which would lead straight on to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And because it's a five-year gap, that's perfect for how their like, marriage is separated and everything's got separate since then. Yeah. But it kind of sets you up. So you're already kind of in the storyline. It's not starting fresh again, even though Godzilla is the main character, obviously. But, you know, it's not like he's performing a monologue at any given time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's it's like you were just saying, it's just, it's a very, not very cohesive. Yeah. But decisions that lead to character choices throughout the series of films. Yeah, and even like Monarch as an organisation, like what does it want? Does it just kind of want to preserve them or like keep them in place or monitor them? I mean, it, it's kind of monitoring them, but then not really doing anything once they're kind of unleashed. And it just, I don't know. It's, it, it seems like a, and again, like, you know, in King of Monsters, we don't really, I mean, they, Monarch seems to have more equipment and more people and things like that, but it, it's kind of an undefined role. And, you know, and I suppose here we just get, you know, uh, well, you know, Emma Russell sort of defecting from there, and that's kind of, you know, a big kind of part of it in, in that, you know, she's been close to the monsters and stuff and learning how they work. But then, I don't know, she kind of defects. And, and so, I don't know, it just doesn't really paint Monarch in, in like, really much of a wise light or, or, you know, a kind of coherent light either um, throughout the films. And, yeah, and, you know, so it, it kind of, it, it's quite a... Um, quite just all over the place really when you think of it across the three films and and as you said like with Charles Dance you know he kind of comes in as this eco-terrorist and 
we have no background to him, really. I mean, he was kind of, you know, they give, like, I think he was like a military soldier, and then that's really it. And mm-hmm. he then decides to destroy the world by, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it seems like a very large step to take for a character like him. And, you know, and I kind of liked in this film that they, you know, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of a fan of the whole, like, you know, humans are a bit of a disease and, like, we're going to, you know, be kind of put into place but you've got to give some justification for like these characters to do such like overwhelmingly you know destructive things that they're willing yeah. to wipe out like the human race and charles dance seems just i don't know psychopathic really he just seems like pretty happy to do whatever really you know and just kill people you know but for no apparent reason which is quite strange really apart from apart from after kind he's done everything there's a moment where uh, Dr. Emma Russell's character is, uh, she kind of pursues a different path which is down to her daughter Madison kind of running away and he's just like, but this was your idea, we're just doing this all for you which kind of leads into exactly what you just said he's just kind of, he's just kind of just doing it for the sake of doing it Yeah, like there, do, it, there doesn't even seem to be any personal motive on his side he goes, I mean, well, hey, well, you came up with this idea I was just chilling over here, not doing much <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there is, you know, they, they do mention that he does trade the monster DNA. And so, like, there could be, like, some, you know, financial incentive for him or something. And they kind of mention at some point in King of Monsters that, uh, you know, these monsters are, you know, everyone's trying to get their hands on them because of, you know, the, the biology and the tech and all this crap, you know. And, but, like, again, you know, like, it's so, such a passing line, and, like, you know, they don't really ever look into it. That, again, it just seems such a flimsy sort of excuse to, like, destroy the Earth and kill off, like, most of the human race, you know? Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. But I think that's the kind of thing with King of Monsters that's, you know, as I said, it has all these other supporting characters, you know, as part of Monarch and the military and stuff. And they kind of move the story along, but it, it's not really... I don't know, you just don't really care too much about them because I don't think I can name like, you know, many of them really, to be honest. And and I think when you've got that in a film, then it's like, well, you know, and I, it's kind of funny with monster films because then you don't really care if they die, but then you never really care that they lived either, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, saying that, I mean, we are kind of, you know, destroying the character side of it because it is so inconsistent across the films. But I mean, you know, in terms of the way that it's shot and produced, I mean, this film is well produced and is well shot in terms of the you know the action sequences are you know we did say earlier there could be more monster fights of course there can always be more monster fights but Godzilla versus Kong I mean that was a lot of monster fights perhaps too much um but I mean in in this it's 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 I mean the monsters look amazing that that was one of the things that really that I loved about is that and also, it didn't take too long to get to the monsters, you know. And we we have a, a massive variety here, and and throughout mm. the film, we are kind of fed different monsters and in, in their kind of new, modern incarnations, you know. And they they do look epic, and they do look kind of like you know pretty jaw dropping, and and you know. Um, what's just, the um? What's the name again of the three headed? Uh, Ghidorah. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, Ghidorah. Sorry. Yeah, King Ghidorah. Yeah. Give a massive shout out to the people who are doing, like you just said, CGI, visual effects, creature graphics on this. There is a point where Ghidorah comes out of a volcano, almost, or is yeah. on top of a volcano, whilst other monsters are flying. 
the scope of that shot is just so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like you said, there is one thing that these films do not skimp on. That is putting the money where the money needs to be to make the monsters look epic. So there's one thing you can guarantee going into this film is that the monsters will look epic. I particularly liked Ghidorah, I think uh, I said that right, and Mothra. Um, I really liked those monsters the best. I think they were depicted the best in the graphics on those particular monsters. Ghidorah would like the storm that it creates by just flying. So flying creates such a reaction with the atmosphere that it almost creates a storm like a lick pretty much electric charge storm firestorm as it flies which is pretty awesome um so i I feel we're very much on the side of maybe you should guys should just give us more of that because when you talk about the character side again you, you even bring into this one zai zhang the chinese actress from yeah. like um Crouch Crouch Tiger, Tiger, hidden dragon yeah. and uh, one of my all-time favorites uh which i will get the house of flying daggers mm-hmm. what a film what a film um and she comes into it doesn't get a lot of screen time She's playing two parts because she has a twin sister, which is obviously she plays both parts. And I think the twin sister gets taken out <laughs> with about two minutes of screen time. This, the twin sister, I believe, is at Mothra's site, wherever Mothra gets launched from. But yeah. it's it's another puzzling character to bring in to not really have yeah. much impact and then completely disappear by yeah. the time we get to... Um, Kong versus Godzilla, like didn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny how they have like some really big name actors in these kind of roles, and then they just really don't use them much at all. Um, and I, you know, it, it's it's funny because I think with monster films, you know, I, I don't I don't think that it's terrible when they do this with like actors because I think. It is, it is a really hard job to balance out that that those characters with with monster fights and action um you know do you do more it can be done obviously like very well um i mean like a kong side island i mean for me that was a great balance and and even newer films like love and monsters uh, i don't know mm-hmm. if you've watched that yet on netflix i mean that one had really strong characters and actually had a lot of great monster kind of sequences and action and creatures and, and whatnot and it surprised me actually in terms of how developed the characters were for a monster film and actually how they kind of how deep it went really into the characters so it can be done uh, yeah. it just it just has to be done i think you know as we've said like it just has to be mapped out a little bit better and, and you have to have you know you have to I, I think they should have defined and you're completely right in that it should have been really monarch as a central sort of theme throughout the story uh, with Ken, Ken Watanabe like sort of leading it really, because, you know, um, he could go across all three, you know, films, but instead they, they just, I don't know, <laughs> they elect to kind of kill him off in the second one when he goes to rescue Godzilla, you know, from his underground lair, which I'm actually just watching on the screen now. And, you know, I mean, it's a pretty epic scene, but again, it's kind of like, I mean, and also the funny part is that he's probably the most knowledgeable guy at Monarch, and the, and he's the one who sacrifices himself, yeah. or like, <laughs> you know, for Godzilla. 
which I suppose that's kind of honorable, but it's also like, hey, maybe he has some information that we might need down the line. You know? <laughs> and then, of course, down the line, yeah, you, you know, you probably you know, would do well with him. So it's, um, it's hilarious. And, and again, you know, the funny thing with King of Monsters as well is how, how big a role Carl Chandler, for example, plays in this film. And then in, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong, he's just completely relegated to, like, the sidelines, really. He's barely, I mean, he's barely in it, really. Yeah, and, it's it's the same instance again. You you build up a character, um, and then you just put them to the sideline. I'm not saying Carl Chandler's character is the best, no, but built up know. character, but still, it gives you some sort of familiarity going into the last film. Or once again, he's put to the side. He's kind of not the closest him. thing you have to lead in this film as well, you know. Mm. So it, it's kind of weird that they they use him so much. Um, and then he just, and then he's just kind of again cast aside, and and again, you know, the fact that his family is such a central part of the storyline, and then, you know, and again, I feel that in Godzilla vs Kong, like Millie Bobby Brown is also, her character almost takes a step down as well in the way that she, I mean, she moves the storyline along, and she is a central character, but it's not as central as this really. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's quite funny. Also, shout out to Carl Chandler, you know, because he was also in King Kong, you know, he the was. Kate Jackson one. So like, he's a you know he's a bona fide monster. <laughs> monster Is, isn't he agonist. also in uh, Super Eight? Oh yeah, I want to yeah, say he's in Super Eight. He's got his monster like chops. One of my favorite monster films. Yeah, that's a great one. Ever. Actually. Yeah. Uh, Super Eight, um, brilliantly done film, but. Yeah, it's it's always it seems like a very interesting choice in Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, I mean, it perfectly sets you up, Charles Dance. I mean, the guy can just effortlessly play a villain, yeah. have him as the head of Monarch, and take him through to Godzilla versus Kong. Have him from the beginning. Have yeah. him from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it gives that Monarch this more weight. If you have, if suddenly you build Godzilla the first film. And you have these five characters. You have Charles Dance at the head of Monarch. You have his two lead scientists as um, Sally Hawkins and Ken Watanabe. And then you have Carl Chandler and Vera Flamingas, the, the Russells, working for them as well. Suddenly you have Monarch is there. This is Monarch. Yeah, definitely. And then build it and watch them like fight amongst each other and separate as it goes. Yeah. You have this continuous kind of bad guy to a certain extent yeah. going through it and I just feel that would have hit it so well but you know one thing we both agree on is I mean, is the monsters and the graphics of the monsters and one of my favourite lines and I think it's delivered like this but it's when obviously Sir Ken Wanatabi's character well I don't know why I should say spoilers but he sacrifices himself with a nuclear bomb after finding Godzilla pretty much flatlined. So obviously Godzilla works on nuclear charge. And then so Godzilla is like nuclear to the highest level. And I feel it's that that crazy like sonar doctor uh, 
he's like he's going subatomic yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. the best the best line which is kind of wish you had ken uh wanatabi back just yeah. to deliver that line just yeah. like as staring as he does with his piercing eyes going he's going subatomic <laughs> that's sub-atomic. what he did. yeah exactly <laughs> Great okay, voice, that, you know. Is that word real? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what you kind of feel when you hear that. Um, but it was interesting because when I first watched this film, and I love these types of films anyway, they don't have, for some reason, it just didn't sit that well with me. I was like, oh, this is a big mishmash. I didn't really enjoy it too much. And then watching it again, leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. It's interesting you say that because I. I was the reverse. Well, the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it in that, like, um, it was very different to Godzilla. Like, you know, it was it fixed all the things that Godzilla didn't do, like, you know, the monsters and the, the action. But then having rewatched it a number of times since, um, <laughs> there's just, you know, now I'm kind of like, yeah, it's not as good as I thought it was. Like, before, you know, I, I wanted the monsters, I got the monsters, so I was happy with that. But now when you kind of rewatch it, like, there's just certain things like, and also like, I mean, how they're able to create that. I mean, you know, obviously it's a film, but how they create able to create this orca thing because they were tracking whales, I think they say in it. And then they're able to basically track these like, you know, mega monsters with it and, and control them. You know, it, it's interesting concept, a little bit, you know, kind of OTT in some ways, but um yeah, and I think, you know, and having rewatched it again, it's, it's a little bit mishmashed in terms of the, like, you know, Charles Dance is the bad guy. He's, vi- you know, a villain from the beginning. But then he's, as the film goes on, he's, like, not as much of a villain, and there's no really real defined villain. And it kind of shifts from the humans to the monsters. But in a way where it's, like, the monsters aren't really villains because they're just sort of creatures who just fight amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I suppose, you know, I mean it's kind of weird because it's more about like, okay, which monster is going to destroy us the least, you know? And then that kind of ends up being Godzilla. So he's like the de facto good guy. Um, but it's kind of, it's quite funny in, in the way that it kind of mishmashes these sort of concepts around. So it's a little bit kind of confused. I mean, I, to be honest, though, rewatching it, I, I, I do find it's not a film that, makes me bored in any way that kind of the first Godzilla did where it was like, come on, we just want Godzilla, like finally give us more, you know, it, it does move along. It just, you know, I think with the kind of thin characters and, and the sort of, and perhaps, you know, as I said, maybe too many human characters and too scattered around and with what they want and how they're going to do it. That's where the film falls down, really, that if it had just fewer characters with more cohesive sort of, plot lines driving the story through and like you know the monsters clubbing it off from that yeah it would have made way more sense i think you know um so it's 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 a weird one it's it's like you know i'm surprised it's the lowest rated one to be honest um but another thing adding to the funniness of not following things through with certain characters it has a post-credit scene of charles dance's character obtaining the head of the fallen monster um that Dora, Godzilla yeah. takes yeah. yeah yeah and and then we don't see him again <laughs> but that, that's the thing you know i mean should we should we segue on to godzilla versus kong now because i, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 let's, let's segue across because that's the thing that is for me one of the most confusing decisions that 
you've got Charles Dance at the end of it. Uh, and, you know, all the monsters are now kind of, you know, they've bowed down to Godzilla and he's the new alpha over Ghidorah. And you've got Charles Dance with a Ghidorah head at the end of it. And that's where you think things are going to go. But then Godzilla versus Kong starts. And again, it's like a completely blank slate <laughs> again. Yeah. Because no more Charles Dance. He doesn't feature at all. The Ghidorah head does feature in the film. So clearly they've gotten the head from Charles Dance somehow. Because yeah. it features later on when they you know, start controlling the, the Mechazilla. You know? yeah. so, but there's no explanation of that. You know, no. there's no explanation of Charles Dance, and again, you're kind of like, and all those monsters which then bowed down to Godzilla, and were, and was the whole point of this King of Monsters film in terms of Godzilla versus Ghidorah, and and who's the alpha, and then you know, in Godzilla versus Kong, you've got another who's the alpha fight, which is kind of already weird because then why wasn't Kong activated in this one, you know, as, as the alpha, um. And none of the feet, none of the monsters that we see in this one, you know, whether it's Mothra or or the Turtle Mountain or whatever, you know, they they don't feature at all in, in Godzilla versus Kong, um, which was I, I don't know I, I I thought they would, and then by the end I was kind of surprised that they didn't. And again, it's kind of like I feel like the filmmakers have all these elements that like they're sort of juggling around. They just don't know what to do with them, kind of properly. But saying that, I mean, so Godzilla versus Kong, I mean, we get a whole basically new set of characters, you know, from the human side, except for Millie Bobby Brown, who is this sort of teenager now who kind of goes on her own path and ends up being incredibly crucial to the storyline uh, through yeah. really lucky and kind of haphazard ways with her mates. <laughs> um You know, you have, have the, the deaf girl who can communicate with Kong, and she's like this you know, I thought that was quite a nice sort of thing um, to have a kind of communicating with sign language and showing how smart Kong is and stuff. It's like, he, again, like, there's kind of these weird things in the film that contradict each other. So, she, you know, Kong is really smart. He can communicate and everything. But he can't work his way out of this giant stadium that he's been built into, you know? And it's like, and he's like throwing things at the side. And so he knows he's inside somewhere, but he can't get out. And it's almost like, like, is he smart or is he not? Like, I mean, you know, and, and, with, and again, with the girl, she's like, she's able to control him. But then she's also, you know, later on, they say, like, no one's able to control him. And it's like, hold on a second. Like, he's on a, <laughs> you put him on a boat, you know, <laughs> you chain him off on a boat and he's not sinking the boat. So you're pretty, you know, he's, he's pretty controllable to a certain degree. Yeah. But then later on, it's like, oh, he's not, you know. And, and this is the thing is that the film with Godzilla versus Kong, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really make its mind up on a lot of things, I think. Um, but again, a very enjoyable film in lots of other ways. You know, I mean, the monster action, sounding really, you know, between yeah. God, I mean, it really lives up to the name of Godzilla versus Kong. I think, you know, I mean, what were your impressions of it, like when you first saw it? There's one thing I want to say about Godzilla versus Kong, and <laughs> which I think is quite funny. I don't really get their measurements correct. Because <laughs> there's points where got where Kong in um in Kong Skull Island and when he's walking around in Skull Island, his height is obviously gigantic. But it's not by any means a height which goes it goes he walks over the tops of trees. Yeah. 
I, I think they so in that they do say that he is still growing, and so I think well, he must grow quite a bit. But, um, but again, when, you're right because it's like only thirty years, and he grows loads. Well, even when he's on the boat, <laughs> he's not as big as the boat. Yeah, and then he's bigger than skyscrapers yeah. that are bigger than the boat. <laughs> yeah. It changes from some of the long shots, the, the longer distance away shots. He looks bigger than, um, he looks the same size as Godzilla and bigger than these buildings. And then in the closer shots, he's now smaller than these buildings again because he's climbing them. Yeah. It's a bit like all over the place when it comes to, uh, <laughs> I just, it's a funny observation that I, I found was quite uh, interesting. But Godzilla vs. Kong, I definitely enjoyed this film a lot more. And I don't know whether it was because I have to say the action sequences, the monster fights, the Godzilla Kong fights are glorious to watch. Yeah. It's it's so beautifully done. Um the visual effects are amazing. The color schemes that they use during the fights are just brilliant. So that whole element and they don't shy away from it. We get a lot. There's a lot, a lot of lot. long fights. Godzilla versus yeah. Kong, Godzilla and Kong versus Mech Godzilla. Like it's all going down and then Kong versus other monsters as well. Um so it I feel it out of the films as a whole, you get the best monster fights in this film. Which you should do, because yeah. that's uh, exactly what it sets it up for. So this is the film for the monster fights, 100%. And once again, hey, let's introduce a bunch of new characters that <laughs> were never in the previous ones. We get Alexander Skarsgård, yeah. we get Rebecca Hall. Um, so we get Rebecca Hall, which is pretty much, she's um, a doctor who looks after uh, kind of a sympathizer with Kong to a certain extent, looks after the Kong compound. Then you have Alexander Skarsgård who's got a bunch of crazy theories that no one believes to be true so he's a, like a washed up uh, doctor. And yeah, then... You, stuff, yeah. yeah, and then you actually then you have finally have a real bad guy for Monarch. You actually have the bad guy that we've needed, um, which is uh, Walter Simmons. Yeah, the, yeah. So you have Walter Simmons, but then you have um, the technically playing the son to Ken uh, one of Tabby's character, isn't he? Um, uh, yeah, Serizawa. Yeah, Serizawa. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like a really br- oh, by the way, he's his son. Anyway, move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like what? Who? Who? Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you have like the villains again, and of course we get Mecha Godzilla, which is great. And I always thought, knowing because unfortunately I saw a spoiler before seeing this, just and I was like, God damn it, <laughs> can't people just let films be films? Uh, but I was thinking so much of how they're going to do it, and I was pretty pleased with how they did do it because obviously it's quite an interesting concept to bring into yeah, these yeah. films because Mechagodzilla is more so apparent in the Japanese versions of Godzilla and the cartoon versions and the comic books and stuff but to see it like brought to life like that once again it hammers down on what we said this is the monster fight film isn't it this this yeah, is yeah. where it all happens and where it all goes down 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know, with the Mecha Godzilla thing as well, because they present him as a as a bad guy, and they present, you know, Simmons as as an evil sort of character. But it's, it's kind of after I saw the film, I kind of thought on it. I was thinking the world was ruled by giant monsters. You probably weren't one of your own, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like in terms of just policing them, or like you know, just being able to compete with them in some way in case. Godzilla ever did really have a bad day and was like, well, you know what, I'm going to destroy civilization. Like, I mean, we're talking Pacific Rim style, aren't we? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, um, that. so it was interesting that Mechagodzilla was portrayed as this sort of evil entity the whole time when actually, like, I don't know, like, you know, there's, there's kind of a perfectly justifiable reason for him to be there, you know I mean? Especially with, like, uh, I mean, the world we live in now is so kind of militarized to any threat that, like, you know, if there were giant monsters, you can guarantee we'd have a giant monster of our own, you know? Um, so yeah. I thought it was kind of funny that he's perceived as the sort of um, evil villain when actually he's kind of doing it on humanity's behalf, really, uh, against the monsters. Um, but, you know, again, like, you know, that's how they've kind of, you know, they had written it. And 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 I, I suppose that, you know, for me, the kind of evil was really the pursuit of his own goals to to to... I don't know, to just kind of make Mechagodzilla the most powerful thing possible. I mean, you know, that's the kind of whole reason why they go into the Hollow Earth. Um, which, yeah, I have to say, you know, the Hollow Earth stuff, um, interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> where, are you, where are you... A lot I of mean, people sit very differently on this, but where are you sitting on the whole premise? Have you seen the film The Hollow Earth? So that's okay, the Earth so, that exists within our Earth that yeah. they travel to due to Skarsgård's character, the new one of the new characters brought in his theory on how to get there proves to be true. So, I mean, I really like the idea of Hollow Earth. I think it's like a really kind of cool um, concept. And, you know, um, it, and that is one of the things throughout the films that is actually kind of, it's one of the constant themes that is brought up. I mean, um, in Kong Skull Island, uh, you know, is it, yeah, Corey Hawkins, who's playing uh, Houston Brooks. So he's the one with uh, John Goodman, who who suggests it in, in his kind of theory then. And that's where, you know, on Kong Skyline, that's where Kong comes from. And, you know, so cool. That's fine there. Uh, in Godzilla, the first film, they don't really mention it at all. Okay. King of Monsters, they do talk about how Godzilla is able to travel through the earth, through these tunnels. And essentially, that's where his lair is as well. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And then <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong, they take it to a whole new level, <laughs> or a whole under level, I should say. Um, yeah. I mean, it really is like, I, I kind of liked it, but I also, like, as I was watching, I was like, I mean, you know, I, I don't have a scientific brain, um, you know, in terms of. I mean, I like physics, but I don't think I can work out like the, the physics that they were applying there, really, um, because it was just like the gravity inversion point. I mean, I kind of understand that if the hollow Earth is there, it has its own gravity because it's a sort of a mass inside the Earth. But then surely that gravity would go to the mass at the center of the Earth, which it doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, if you think too much on the science, you're going to, your head is, your brain is going to melt out of your ears, really. So, yeah, you're going to go to that other world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your head will become hollow earth, you know. <laughs> um, so I think if you ignore that and you just kind of go with the fantasy side of things, it is 
fun, if not like nonsensical. Um, and I have to say, I mean, there were a few things. I, one thing about them traveling to Hollow Earth, I, I think for me, which I kind of picked up on as just a, a concerned human, was, I mean, they took the deaf girl on that ship and they took her on the mission into Hollow Earth as well because mm-hmm. she's the only one who could talk to Kong, which I thought was like so fucking ludicrous. <laughs> it's like she's like an eight-year-old girl or something and they're taking her on this deadly mission into the center of the Earth and it's like, because she's the only one who can communicate with Kong. It's like, can't you just get like a Skype link or something, you know, for her to like, you know, sign language to Kong over a computer screen because they're able to send messages like, you know, the, you know, the, the Walter Simmons character, his daughter goes down there to get the pe- the energy source. Again, I didn't really understand that where it's like they get the energy source, they get the signature and, and that's all they need. Mm. Like what they've just worked out like a new form of energy, just like that. And now Mecha Godzilla can be powered. That I, I again, I didn't really understand if you think too much into it, <laughs> but it's again, also just the the other the the lady who is the evil monarch lady. That's the, literally the only description you get from her. She arrives on the boat. She immediately doesn't like anybody, and she's the one who double crosses them when they get to the so other. She's, she's the daughter of the of the. CEO guy, so her name's Maya Simmons. But um, there's, there's nothing to the character whatsoever, <laughs> except for just being looking evil and mean, really. Yeah, and then like double cross them and then getting uh, taken out just as quickly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's brought in just for like one or two things and then killed off, you know. And again, yeah, it's funny how they kind of decide the fate of these characters because again, it's the same with Walter Simmons that you know he's there and he's evil and he's like at the end then he gets taken out by mecha godzilla once mecha godzilla gets powered up and then becomes his own creature and that was something you know because because you see the young sirizawa you know controlling him from the Ghidorah the Ghidorah head okay that part makes sense okay because the Ghidorah head had you know psychic or telekinetic abilities to communicate with the other ones um but then like he gets taken out by the energy and then the energy sort of makes Mecha Godzilla into like this, I don't know, it supercharges its AI to then go rogue. And that was something which I was like, wow, they've really taken a, a big leap there in terms of like, you know, why, why didn't he just go rogue and start making everyone sandwiches? You know, like it just, it, it's, it's funny how they all just go to like, okay, now, now everything has to be destroyed. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's kind of hilarious. Like it's the same with Charles Dance character here. It's like, well, you know, we're going to do some eco-terrorism, so goodbye civilization, you know, and like Mechagodzilla, we're like, oh, he's got a mind of his own, well, goodbye civilization, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just really funny how they're always like, you know, on this, you know, certain path to destruction. Um, so, yeah, I, in terms of the story, I mean, it's not, it's just, I mean, yeah, some parts are pretty nonsensical, but I think for me, the thing with Godzilla versus Kong is that, um, so the first time I watched it, it came at the end of a day where I'd watched Godzilla, or I should say, no, Kong Skull Island first, then Godzilla, then King of Monsters, and then in the in the night I watched Godzilla vs Kong. So it was a full on monster day, and by mm-hmm. the time I got to it, I was I was pretty impressed because you know I had so much kind of monsters and wanted monsters that you get so much monster that at least that part is ticked off. Yeah, but it's yeah, saving grace. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, it really is. And I mean, the, the monster fights, you know, are spectacular, really. I mean, when they kind of, you know, they're taking out the Hong Kong skyline, it really is just, you know, pretty epic and smashing through buildings. And, and it, it looks amazing. Um, but, you know, in terms of the writing and the characters and stuff, I mean, yeah, they really could have developed it. But I think, you know, this is the whole thing. Like, if they had probably kept these characters more constant since the first Godzilla, they wouldn't have had to, like, introduce so many to be developed. No. And it would have just, as, as, as we've been saying, like, if they just had the central monarch kind of set of characters who either defect or whatever, but if you had them, then they would be able to drive through that human element, you know, um, mm. rather than having, yeah, like a whole new cast of people. And, and, you know, and with these films, you always have to have the military people. So they take up some screen time and then you've got to have like, you know, then you have these family people and they take up some screen time and then, you know, and then you've got Monarch and, you know, and it's like, just choose one set of people to follow, you know, <laughs> jeez, you know, it's, it's, and I mean, you know, and the funny thing with, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, you know, you've got the, uh, I mean, what, what's Millie Bobby Brown's uh, pal called? Um, yeah, I, I love this kid. Um, he is Julian Dennison as yeah, Josh Valentine. Yeah, so Hunter the yeah. World of People. Yeah. Um, which is a brilliant film. Highly recommend anyone watch it. That it is, is good great, fun. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's coming into his own now because he's Hollywood. So right. he's been in Deadpool 2 and he was in the... Um, the Christmas Chronicles 2 with um, Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. I, rem- I, I even remember seeing him in a, uh, a New Zealand commercial. You know? <laughs> so, like, kids made it. <laughs> <laughs> the kids done it. But, yeah, they're the uh, more new characters. But, to be fair, that's the most enjoyable storyline to follow with characters in the whole of this is Millie Bobby Brown and her friends just... Yeah, and, and Brian Tyree Henry as Bernie Hayes is the conspiracy guy again. Yeah, like the really, the really good conspiracy guy who talks about what he's going to do on his <laughs> podcast before he does it, yeah. and no one thinks that maybe no one thinks check his credentials. Okay, I've infiltrated this company. It's called Monarch, and yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going into my shift uh, in about two hours. I'm putting this live though, so they could hear this if they wanted to, do, and I'm going to infiltrate the secret part and steal plans, but. I'll talk to you next episode if I survive. Yeah. Dude, just do this stuff first, then talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's hilarious how like Millie Bobby Brown is able to find him. No, yeah, she's like, the only one who's figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Monarch and like the CIA and everyone like uh, this guy is you know eluding us all the time, and he's just too smart for us. But not for Millie Bobby Brown, who just listens to his podcast. Faithful listeners, you know. Uh, they always work out all the all the clues. Love for Millie Bobby Brown, she's she's figured it out. She's got some newspaper clippings pinned up on the wall, and we know yep, the person yep. with the newspaper clippings pinned up on the wall is going to find whoever they need to find because they got some red string. They got some red string, and they're connecting those dots. That, they got that context, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they they got that context. They got that red string context. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I I agree. I I did enjoy their the trio's kind of like arc throughout the film in um it was like the funniest part of it really mm. um but i have to say i mean for me the funniest part of of the actions that they do is when uh julian dennison's character takes out mecha godzilla by essentially pouring that guy's alcohol down you know the, the um 
like down the back of the keyboard or the control system and then like that makes <laughs> Mechagodzilla freak out and it's like oh god you know you got Kong and, and, and Godzilla fighting Mechagodzilla and they can't take him out but a bit of a spilled drink now that will really do the trick you know you might as well had him do like a weird break dance and the <laughs> arms just bopped off <laughs> exactly I mean that that for me like when it happened I was kind of like did he, did he just really solve like save the world by like spilling a drink essentially <laughs> um so yeah that was again some interesting writing there perhaps from uh from the creators um but it, it's i agree like they were they certainly had some funny lines um but yeah i mean you know but again they're kind of like it was weird because they're story was so apart from you know the the deaf girl and rebecca hall's story and and then also the the you know everyone was quite separate i felt you know and the characters kind of came together towards the end but like and they all helped in their own ways but it was never really a coherent thing together and i think this is just like as we've been saying like it's just indicative of like how like these characters are written in this in this universe that it's like yeah, these people are doing some stuff over there and some people are doing some stuff over there and it kind of matters and, you know, it pulls together. But the thing that really matters is the monsters, you know, that's kind of yeah. like the, the joining point for all of them, which is it's kind of funny. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a fun film, Godzilla vs. Kong, but it, you know, it, as long as you don't think about it too much, I think, you know, <laughs> in, in a lot of respects, really. If you, if you, if, once you start breaking it down, it just, I mean, the science and, and it's just all over the place. And I have to say, someone like, you know, it was weird having Skarsgård as, like, the main character again because, you know, it, it was kind of like with Aaron Taylor-Johnson in, in Godzilla that they, you've got this, like, fairly big actor in the, in the starring role, but they don't really feel like the film's lead in, in a mm. way because yeah. it focuses on the monsters, but, like, they're never really given... I don't know, they're more of a kind of witness character that you kind of see things through, but then they're always there just like getting thrown around and running to one place and going to another. And I don't know, I, like, I can't really remember any memorable lines that Skarsgård like had or, you know, uh, same with Aaron Taylor Johnson, the first one, you know, mm. um, which kind of just goes to show in terms of like how they kind of think of characters in these films, which, you know, I, and a lot of people criticize, a lot of critics, I think, are fairly harsh on these films because of that. Um, and fair enough, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for in a monster film, the characters, you know, then you probably will be disappointed. But I think, you know, with a lot of these films, as I mean, as we say, it can be done, but you have to have like really strong writing from the, you know, from the get go. And I think if the idea is kind of a little bit drawn out or a little bit spread out over like different characters or different uh, concepts and ideas, then you start to lose that writing. You know, if if they kept it more simple from the beginning, it would have just been just more effective, really. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it just I, I felt that with you know Godzilla, King of Monsters, and now Godzilla versus Kong, the way they wrote the characters was very one dimensional. And to be honest, that's fair enough. You know, that that's completely their decision. And if I don't, I don't think there was too much lacking. You know, I. I I think it was just kind of too spread out, really. If they had just centralized things, it just would have made things simpler and more coherent. Um, but, you know, I'm not really watching it for the characters. You know, I, I don't really... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not really caring too much about what the characters um, 
you know, whether they're, you know, I mean, I mean maybe that's because of the way they're written, but you know, it's, um, yeah, I, you know, if you're coming to watch the monster films, I mean, you know, you're coming for the monsters and, you know, you get the monsters and that's, you know, the kind of great part about it. So I don't know. What do you reckon? Like, are you like, how do you feel about the characters in these films? Do you, do you think they they should be more developed or do you think not, or maybe just simplified, you know, to one group, you know? Telling a story on this scale, telling a story that's not isolated, like Kong Skull Island was like, a, it's an isolated story with a bunch of characters that that's yeah. their whole journey is based in this one particular location. Obviously apart from right at the beginning, but that's kind of, this is the story you're telling this one arc over like a few days. This is the story you're telling. And it's not, there doesn't need to be any other elements telling the Godzilla story, the scale that they're going for, which goes over like a 10 year period with central focuses on this company and what particular people do within this company and then within the government and then on the sideline, you have to, I, it, Yes, I'm there for the spectacle, but I feel you just have to. What you need, I feel, in the in films of these scope, you need consistency with the human side of it from beginning to end. Map out your ten actors, actresses that you're gonna have from Godzilla 2014 to Godzilla versus Kong, and stick with them. You can kill some off along the way, but stick with them. Yeah, because then it almost allows the monster stuff as well as it shines to shine even more yeah. because at least like me and you, at least no one's sitting there going, they did what? Who went <laughs> down there? What was the person who said that? I've already forgotten their name. Were they in the previous movie? No. Oh, <laughs> what when did they come in? Like you just take care of all of that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, just, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. They don't have to set up anyone, you know? No. Yeah. No, so that's why I kind of feel this. And what's interesting is I feel you've got these four films now. And we obviously, I feel it's very evident that we are big fans of Kong Skull Island. And that's like, if me and Arts are going to chill out and we're, when we're allowed to, we're going to hang, we'll have a takeaway night in. I'm pretty sure if we had to pick out of all these films, we're going to go Kong Skull Island. That's where we're going to make Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going to have our fun. So you've had Godzilla. You've had Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You've had Godzilla versus Kong. I feel it's very much time now to give the mantle back to Kong. And oh. hey, the science might not make sense, but let's go to that other Earth. Yeah. Down Earth, underneath Earth. Hollow Earth, yeah. Hollow Earth. Yeah. <laughs> let's go there. There's a lot of crazy creatures there, but let's have a, a Kong-focused we don't need another big monster coming in. He can fight. And let's bring back Charles Dance. Like, yeah. give us continuity. You've, he's still out there. So bring him back. Bring him back because he's obviously, he wants to go in, go to that other world and harvest that energy and king kill Kong and do what he needs to do. But bring him back. And do you know what? If you're going to do these films and they're supposed to link, then bring back Millie Bobby Brown, because you can. Yeah. And bring back a couple of other characters so we don't have to be introduced to a whole new bunch again. Yeah. And just, yeah. just get some... Not Like, it's not like bashing any of these people, but I think it's because it's different writers and there's not a focus from beginning to end. Yeah. 
get some like top writers in and just like sew this thing together. And Kong is obviously a really popular character. So, so a tr- if you want a monster verse, they want it to continue for as long as possible as it makes money. And then heavily invest in a Kong trilogy to line you up from here you know, or, or just a double movie or whatever it is, but stick with the same characters, follow the Kong storyline down to hollow earth and stay in hollow earth. Yeah. Don't need to go back to the, uh, to normal earth. That's, that's the whole point. We're going to these movies. Let's get escapism. Let's stick there. Let's get a Kong story down and let's do a double movie or, or a trilogy of films. And yeah. away you go. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's funny because like, you know, They've only had they've only created four films and like the the disconnect between all four is ridiculous to be honest. I mean, yeah, you got as we discussed like familiar themes throughout like Hollow Earth and obviously the monsters, but in terms of the characters and the way they're brought in and out and and the roles they play, yeah, it's it, it's all over the place. And and especially in the modern day when you've got something like you know like Marvel where they're tying together like you know. 20 plus movies now series and you know it's like that's the thing like if you have smart writers you can scope this out properly and then you know it takes kind of like a diligent like production company to essentially stick to that plan really and really hit those those beats so it can definitely be done it just yeah it it, it, uh, i think that's you know as you kind of you touched upon it that they had different writers different directors for each one and so each one was doing something completely different and I, you know, and we saw that with you know, like the Star Wars um, episodes seven, eight, and nine, where like you know you had different writers and different directors on each one, and they took very different paths on each, rather than like having it together as one cohesive storyline that different directors are working to. Yeah, and you know, and then you get that sort of you, you run into issues there with the writing because then the writing contradicts itself within one or two films, you know, and and you have characters who come in and out and. You know, and as we said, like you have Charles Dancer, who is a main, you know, uh, villain in King of Monsters. Then he doesn't appear at all in uh, Godzilla vs Kong, even though elements of his character are still sort of there. You know, in terms of the the, the Ghidorah head, um, and you know, will he come back? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, he's kind of like relegated himself as a villain, really, after like missing out on on the fun of Godzilla vs Kong. I mean, you know, he, who knows? He might even use, you know. Godzilla's newly created tunnel to the Hollow Earth, you know. Yeah. Uh, lols, by the way, um, <laughs> blasting through the Earth and just. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you only thought I only thought I'd, I'd see that sort of power into the ground from like you know drunken night outs when you know you see people like throwing up into the floor, but <laughs> onto the floor, but you know, seeing Godzilla doing it, it's uh, certainly more impactful. Um, so yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll use that, you know, as as a commuting tunnel or something later on. You know, maybe Charles Dance will that'll be his next uh, sort of initiative. But yeah, I mean, if they are going to carry on with the MonsterVerse uh, monsters, which I feel like they are, because the way that you know Godzilla vs Kong was left in that both monsters are still alive, they're both still you know apex creatures or alpha creatures. There's still all the other monsters from King of Monsters, which didn't feature in Godzilla vs Kong. So. How are they going to rope this all together? You know. Um, also, we've got the the money talk side of the things. The the fact of like we're coming out of this. Well, well, we're still in this pandemic, and the pandemic is still going on. But 
cinemas have been more open recently than they have across the world that is uh, than they have previously so you've got godzilla versus kong being the film which has been the most successful launch item since hbo max has started mm. so um which is is massive yeah and you and- know because it, be- it beat Snyderverse and it beat wonder woman um mortal kombat so you've got that and you've got the fact it's on route to hit 450 million worldwide as well yeah so that puts it at the this pretty much the same level of success as majority of the rest of the series yeah and that's the thing like i think that was what the one thing which was sad for me is that whilst watching at home is very comfortable and nice Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, it really should have been watched in the cinema. Yeah, should it? Well, there's one thing I would go and see this again if yeah. I could see it on a big screen, just because whatever we've said about the character starts parts of it, the Godzilla versus Kong, the whole point of the title of the film, those scenes are epic. Yeah. They are brilliantly done, and a hundred percent, I would love to sit in a cinema and watch them. Yeah, definitely. Me too. We'll do it together. <laughs> yeah 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 we'll do it together so that's exactly that's exactly what I'm, but this is the thing you know godzilla versus kong is i feel it will lead to more monster movies and good because that's what we're here for that's what we want to see yeah. at the end of the day anyway <laughs> so just bring back um, jordan voigt roberts he's the guy who did kong skull island he did kings of summer he's he's a guy who you know, he's the, he was the director for Kong Skull Island. Yeah, br- bring him back. Bring him back yeah. to take the reins and do a couple of Kong films with him at the helm. Exactly. You know, that'd be great. You know, because I think he really nailed it before. And why not giving it? You know, and I mean, from our point of view, you know, he made the best one out of the whole series. So it'd be great to see him kind of give it another chance to just yeah take Kong into a new sort of era, really. Um, and and see what they do next. Really, I mean, I'm, I'm I'll be interested to see what they do, and you know, the kind of villains and whatnot. I, the thing I, is, is I I feel that it doesn't make sense for them to shy away from it now, because just looking at the figures, which I've previously said, Godzilla King of the Monsters made 386 million worldwide, and Godzilla versus Kong, which is still hitting at cinemas. Bear in mind, it's it would be taking little bits of money now, not the big bucks, but it's at 406 worldwide without the recent takings coming in so how should they spend on godzilla versus kong do you know i don't know but it very much seems that the elk as they spend anywhere between 150 and 180 per film so you always double that in terms of talking about box office and like i follow box office numbers way too much i just find them fascinating but for when you're talking these big budget films if you make a film for 150 million dollars it needs to make and we all, I always talk in dollars because that's what worldwide box office is marked at um if you make it for 150 million you need to be hitting over 300 million to start bringing in actual profit for yeah. the film because there's so all the marketing and all all the, the marketing yeah. all the cutbacks when films get shown in cinemas and so because you go into a cinema and you buy a 15 pound ticket 15 dollar ticket that doesn't mean those 15 dollars are going pounds are going to the people who made the film it's going to get split up between the cinemas that bought it and so forth and so forth taxes and all that stuff um so yeah that's what you're so this has been a success in terms of you know they're going close to making 100 million 
profit and a hundred million pounds dollars profit is nothing to be barked at because if you go into a project like this mm-hmm. and go hey let's make this film and in two years we would have made a hundred million yeah. <laughs> in yeah. in net profit on top of that that's good so they will make more films we just hope the films have more direction um to the story side of it because I feel if you if you nail that like they did in Kong and Skull Island, like we've said before, then you hit a home run. That's yeah. that that's what you get with those next couple of monster movies. You get home runs and you get even more money at the box office. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they just become like it's much more rewatchable and, and yeah, less cringeworthy. I think in lots of ways when when it's more thought out, better characters, better lines, but happier audience. Really, you know, more memorable. That's what you want, you know. That's what we want, and that's what we want to see. Um, so thanks for joining us. Join, well, I said that wrong. Thanks for joining us, guys. Don't even know if I said it right then. It's our one-year anniversary this week, so um, we have just been shouting out on Twitter to some of our favourite episodes. Uh, we want to thank everyone who's like in the thousands. We started off with no one listening obviously but no we didn't people downloaded thankfully from the first episode and now we've had thousands of downloads and we're in over 30 countries around the world so we just want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you Um, we got so much content coming up we will have some different styles like more how it originally used to be we will have some interview content coming up we've got some industry leaders and professionals hopefully joining us in the coming weeks in the coming months so that would be cool and we've got too much content that we can even think about right now to go through. So, but next few weeks, we're going to be jumping into Star Wars and we're going to be jumping into Bad Batch, but we're going to be trying to ping out these other monster type podcasts and different type episodes as well along the way. So hang on in there, guys. It's going to be a fun ride. Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Elder Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.